0: Welcome to the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, where
1: we explore the hottest topics in cyber marketing, interview experts, and help you become a better cybersecurity marketer.
0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing. I'm your co host, Gianna Whitfer,
1: and Maria here.
0: And we are so excited to have a very special guest on today's episode. We have Sherry Lowe. She is the Chief Marketing Officer at Exabeam, which provides end to end detection, user and entity behavior analytics, and is also a SOAR platform. Sherry Lowe has spent 25 years in Silicon Valley. She's seen the good, the bad, the ugly, and the amazing, and has spent the majority of her career in male-dominated industries of tech and cybersecurity. She has experience as the chief marketing officer at Expanse, which was acquired by Palo Alto. She's been the CMO at Druva and also the VP of marketing at Splunk. And we're so excited for her to bring her years of experience to our podcast and teach us all about navigating the world, her career, our careers, and also how to pivot marketing during a pandemic.
2: Thank you. It is so great to be here. And pivoting is something that I've been doing, I think, my whole life. Prior to even coming to Silicon Valley, I was a sportscaster covering the NFL, Major League Baseball, NBA. So pivoting is what I do best, I think. Just to add to your laundry list of male-dominated industries (laughs) you've been in, also sports. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Very true. Very true. Prepared me well for Silicon Valley, I will tell you.
1: (laughs) Welcome, Sherry. Thanks for being with us. This is going to be an exciting chat. Yep, good to be
0: here. All right, so let's jump right into it. You have a storied career. How has
2: cybersecurity marketing (laughs) changed from when you started? I'm going to really date myself, but honestly, if you had told me even in 2010 that some of the best leads and the highest conversion rates to pipe to close were going to be coming via a website, chat function, or even a free download of a product, I probably wouldn't have believed it. That's how I date myself. So that's been a really huge shift that I've seen over the years. Just how powerful, just that whole motion of driving prospects to your website, to interact on the website, not just to land on it and read something, but to actually do something there. And that those conversion rates were going to end up being really some of the best leads that you would ever see. So that's been, I would say, in the last 10 to 15 years just the biggest shift, and that the companies who got that right early benefited from that shift. And I will say from the companies that i have been at, Splunk did that well early. They interacted early with the website and got people engaged fast. So really, that was one of the first changes I saw that happened. Another change, I would just say from a messaging perspective, that's, it's so noisy out there and it got noisy really fast for cyber companies. And, you know, a new cybersecurity company popping up every day out there. So there's a new threat coming every day. A new cybersecurity company pops up to address the new threat out there. So I think the messaging shifts that are happening all the time really fast and it's really becoming more and more difficult all the time to show that you're different or show how you're better, show the value you provide. And I would say 20 years ago, 10 years ago, the outlandish claims worked better than they do now. And I don't know. I think buyers are just more educated and more skeptical than they used to be. So those are some of the, I guess, how it's I've seen it change in the last 20, 25 years.
0: What would you say has been, or... Can you pinpoint
2: any specific changes that happened specifically to the pandemic? Well, to the pandemic, yes, definitely. I would say the biggest change I've seen, and I saw it just, yeah, in the last two years due to the pandemic, was cybersecurity marketing loves the trade show. They love the big box trade show. And it was a forced shift for the cybersecurity industry because COVID changed all of that. If you are not a digital-first marketing organization, I don't know how you drove leads for your company or pipeline for your company when COVID hit and you had to do this shift so quickly. And I'll talk a little bit about that because I joined a cybersecurity company as CMO in the middle of a pandemic. And Exabeam's go-to-market strategy pre-pandemic was event focused, as many security companies were. And I've spoken to many of my CMO peers about this. And you know, literally 75 to 80% of a lot of marketing budgets were tied up in trade shows. Marketing loves big booths. They love to hand out swag. Sales loves to go do dinners and they meet people in person and they walk around the hallways. And it feels like you're doing something because you can see something happening. And that's how many security companies, that's how they spent their dollars. Then COVID happened. And the logical shift was, well, let's just go do virtual events. And because that's what we know again. And so no one really had a digital strategy in place, at least not the cybersecurity companies. And so that's not how anyone was spending their money. So everyone learned a very hard lesson fast during that two-year period. And it was this, it was don't one, don't tie up all your money in one place. Big box shows, big box virtual events can be a big waste of money. And you've got to find a way to expand your lead sources. You really do. And so- people had to turn to digital marketing and it wasn't something that they naturally had the DNA in their companies to do because that's not what they were doing. And so as a result, there were some hard shifts that had to do and we had to do this shift at Exabeam in flight. I came into a marketing organization that had been an event marketing organization. Mm -hmm. So we literally had to turn this ship around and do Okay, let's get a digital marketing strategy in place and let's all of a sudden focus on paid search, focus on paid media, focus on contributed content. What's content syndication look like? What are we doing from a webinar perspective? Those just aren't that wasn't the muscle we had in the company and it wasn't a muscle that sales was used to. And ExaBeam wasn't in the same boat. A lot of companies were having to do the same thing. So all of a sudden, you had a lot of field marketers who had to become digital marketers. So that's the biggest shift, I think, from a marketing perspective that many companies had to learn. But I think for the cybersecurity companies, they were a much more in-person kind of marketing motion than some other types of companies were. So that's the biggest shift I've seen in a pandemic world.
1: Makes a lot of sense. I think when you put it in the perspective of just 10 to 15 years ago, things were very different. It's actually Mm -hmm. kind of scary because I can only imagine how long it will take for the next big shift and change. And us as cybersecurity marketers, we're already having to learn something new every day because things are changing every day. Mm -hmm. So it'd be interesting to see, looking back at this conversation 10 years from now and thinking... Yeah, that was totally the right kind of prediction.
2: (laughs) (laughs) You know, you look around and you think, oh, websites have been around forever. Blogs have been around forever. And I actually remember, again, dating myself, asking somebody, what's a blog? When I first arrived in Silicon Valley in those early 2000s, and things were just popping up then. And it will be interesting 10 years from now to see what's happening just well in the world and just from a marketing perspective.
1: Yeah, so you actually made a really good point about field marketers having to shift their mindset and actually mm-hmm. become digital marketers joining Exabeam. What were some of the shifts that you've made in the team to stay agile with the new strategy? Mm-hmm.
2: I think like good product people can shift. And this was something that I've seen in companies where you're an on-prem company and you have to go and you become a cloud company. Mm. If you're a good product person, you can shift from building different kinds of products. I think good marketers can also shift and you can, a great event marketer can say, okay, I can become a great digital marketer because I'm just a really good marketer and I'm always training myself on what's new out there. So there was just a lot of education internally at the company that we had to do for our marketers to learn a different way to go to market. But you also had to educate the company as well because we had to ask the company just in general to just please also be patient with us that leads were going to come in in a very different way that they weren't used to. And they were honestly great about it. We got the company on board to say, you know what? We're not scanning badges anymore. This isn't happening. And we just need some patience because leads are going to come in in a very different way. And to be honest, now the world is opening back up again. We will never go back to the way we marketed before. We'll never be, at least not on my watch, a marketing team that 80% of the budget was events-focused. So we'll never go back to that. And good marketers can shift and learn other things and learn other ways to market. And if anything, it's better for their careers because now they had to learn to do something a different way. I think as a team, it was a good thing because all of a sudden, some of our event marketers were like, hey, I can actually be an ADR if I need to be for a few weeks, or I can go learn how paid media works. So It was ultimately a good thing because it expanded their range and everybody learned something new.
1: Yeah, I love to hear that. Thanks for spearheading that movement (laughs) and making (laughs) sure Uh. (laughs) (laughs) we stay the course and we don't go back to our old ways. Yes. Let's jump into kind of the budget a little bit. And Mm -hmm. I know you talked briefly about that. How much could you tell us in terms of what you shifted in your budget allocations across the channels? Obviously, yes, digital, (laughs) was a big one. But what was Mm -hmm. kind of like that breakdown?
2: Like I said at the very beginning, from our budget perspective, we were spending about 80% of our marketing dollars going to events. And as you know, if you go to some of these really larger events and definitely pre pandemic, you can eat up a lot of costs building your booth and branding your booth and Buying swag and traveling and getting people to work the booth. So, when we moved into a pandemic and you started shifting and really looking at how do you carve up again, now the higher percentage of our marketing dollars is moved into the digital demand gen area. And the nice thing about that, and I'm a huge supporter of this, is that when you put more of your dollars towards digital spend, you can dial those dollars up and down a lot more easily than when you put them into your events. Once you're committed to an event, your dollars are there, and it's really hard to pull them back out. You're committed, you're there. So now when I look at spend and how do you divvy up spend, it's more around 30% of those dollars are towards those events. And we're much more pushing it towards the digital side of things. And also, when you look at the digital side of things, if something's not performing, you can dial it down faster and you can push it somewhere else. And it makes you much more nimble as a marketing department that way as well. And I really want to stress, we're not walking away from in-person events. Those are so important. But we're also going for more of the one-on-one events, one of the smaller, high-touch, and not so many of the larger ones. I'm glad you mentioned
0: that about dialing down the larger events. That's what we've been seeing too in the cybersecurity marketing society when talking with other marketers and also what I'm applying to my marketing as well. Mm -hmm. Let's not go just all big, all out again. Let's not drop a hundred K into huge events. Because even now, and this is being recorded in April of 2022, Mm -hmm. even now the turnout is still in flux. There might be another wave nobody knows what's going to happen companies still have travel restrictions Mm -hmm. so if you could do things that are regional or small or you set up your own event or you empower your sales force to do something local in their area they have customers there et cetera et cetera Mm -hmm. like that's what i've
2: been seeing that's what we've been seeing as well that people are much more willing to go do something small regionally than they are to travel to a really big big show And in fact, this year, we've always done a users conference where people come, bigger event in one place, and we call it Spotlight. This year, we're taking it on the road, and we just are going to do smaller regional users conferences versus one big place where, hey, everybody fly to Vegas, and we're going to do one big show. We're just going to take it on the road as a roadshow and take the burden out of, hey, everybody travel In the spirit of, we don't know what the world's going to look like this year. And people are much more comfortable just getting together in smaller groups in a region. That's the events version of digital, because you're taking it to your customers. (laughs) Yes, (laughs) yes. You know what? I'm going to steal that line. That's true. It is the events version of digital. (laughs) (laughs) And now we'd like to take a
0: moment to thank our sponsors and producers, Hack Your Valley Media. Chris Cochran and Ron Eddings run an amazing studio here, which produces not only the Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing podcast, but a bunch of other shows that you're going to want to listen to as well. So all these shows plus more, and then on top of that, probably even more coming soon, are available to look at, listen to and sponsor at HackerValley.com. Make sure you go over there and say, hey, Gianna and Maria said, I should come check out your website, listen to your shows and uh, sponsor a podcast or two. Let's now talk, Sherry, because we're so grateful to have you on. You have such experience, such sight. And I know this is a topic that's really near and dear to your heart as well. Can we talk about women in the workforce and women in marketing and women in cybersecurity marketing? So according to some research I found with the CMO tenure study, women CMOs have made a gain in recent years up from 36% of CMOs are women in like 2017 to 47 in 2020, Of course, the pandemic has had a greater impact on working mothers than Mm -hmm. on working fathers is largely reported in the media, as women are still largely caregivers for both young and also parents and family, Mm -hmm. etc. What's your opinions on this supposed gain in the workplace so far, whether it's for CMOs or other career levels? Do you think that this year's numbers will indicate a slide backwards? Do you think
2: we're progressing? What do you think? I do think that we're progressing. I think the stats are showing that. I also just see more, and you know, we all go on LinkedIn and I see more women getting CMO roles. When I got my first CMO role four years ago, it was kind of a big deal that a woman got a CMO job and at a security company. It was like, oh my gosh, that happened. And now you're seeing it more and more, which is so great. It's not as much of a surprise, So I do think that we are making gains. I think the hybrid work model has helped level the playing field a little bit more. I do understand, though, that the pandemic has absolutely impacted working mothers more than it has men because we're the primary caregivers. I say level the playing field because being in the office to do your job has not become as much of a requirement, obviously. So, There's no commute, and there's more time to just be near our homes. So those work dinners, those drinks, those hallway conversations aren't happening, so they're not as critical. And I think employees are more judged on their work output and not whether they're having those bestie conversations in the hallways. Sometimes I say Zoom has been the incredible equalizer. So... My hope is that we won't see this slide backwards and my hope is that the progress that we've made continues and that we'll continue to see women being hired at the sea levels. I'd also just like to see more women on boards. I don't know that we've seen the progress there, but we will. You have to just keep it's the staircase. We just keep climbing. Right? You're the so you're this? the
0: founding member of firstboard.io. Yes. You're the founding member of firstboard.io. This is something near and dear to you that you're actually working right now to change.
2: Yes, we are. There's a hundred plus of us in firstboard.io and we're working to change it and making small steps, but it's something that I very much care about and would like to see change too.
1: Tell us a little more about it. What's the mission and what ceilings are you trying to break? (laughs) Well, for firstboard.io, it is to get more
2: women on boards and right now it's women are just not as represented as men that's again not a surprise and the women who are on boards there's a tendency to keep using the same women on boards So we're trying to expand it so that opportunities go beyond just the same four or five. The same four or five women that we are using, it's wonderful that those women have those opportunities. Now let's go beyond and give more opportunities. So it's just to really expand the base of women who are getting their first board opportunity.
1: I love that. Can I just add, I think for women to be on boards when we're comparing to men, I think a lot of times mm-hmm. they have to hunt and ask to be on a board versus mm-hmm. our male counterpart that they're invited to be on boards. And, and that's, <laughs> that's the big difference there, which makes it a bigger uphill battle.
2: Well, and also all of us are marketers and I've presented to boards many times over the years. And one missing component at the board level is someone who understands marketing. And yet, marketing is always a focus at the board level. And so, as I've presented all of these over the years, I always think, why don't you have anybody on your board that understands marketing? Because you always ask about it. So, I think it's just an important missing piece at the board level. And I'd like to see
1: them, everybody fix that (laughs) on their boards. Yes, but everybody thinks they can do marketing on the board and they have opinions and ideas that they want you to implement today.
2: (laughs) Exactly. It's like when everybody was watching Mad Men and everyone became an advertising expert. Yeah.
0: (laughs) Exactly. I was on the board of a company 10 years ago and they did this in marketing. You guys should try that. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. So Sherry, in our pre-call, we also had a really good conversation about bullying, about toxicity in the workplace, especially Mm -hmm. for women. Do you have any advice or thoughts on that you could
2: share with people listening today? Yeah. Well, I've obviously navigated the world of male-dominated fields for quite a while, whether in the security industry and the tech industry in Silicon Valley, prior to that in the sports industry. And I want to say that we have come so far. We really have. And I have two daughters. One graduated from college. One is in college. And I hope that my daughters will not face the same sexist workplaces that I've endured. And I think that things will be better for them. But I think we are still just taking baby steps in many places. Again, I want to stress that I think it's getting better. Organizations are more aware of bad behavior. They are much more aware of it. They are trying to get in front of it. But I will say, I think some companies are better than others. I know really great, positive environments where bro behavior is absolutely not allowed and tolerated. And I know horrible environments where it is still celebrated. And those places have all been in the last five years of my career. So yes, it's getting better. And yes, it still exists. It's hard because everyone tells you, if you see something, say something. And everyone always says that. If you see something, say something. But what they don't tell you is the sentence that comes after that. And it's, but prepare for the consequences of saying something. That's the sentence they forget to say after that. And you have to weigh that for yourself. And for me personally, I have always spoken up. I have always spoken up. But speaking up comes with consequences. It comes with some sleepless nights. It comes with maybe losing a friendship or two. I left a job to get away from a person who was absolutely harassing me. Absolutely. I could have stayed quiet and I could have stayed at that job. I loved that job. There is a penalty for speaking up. I wish there wasn't. But the positive of that story is That experience pushed me to be a CMO because I watched that unethical behavior, his unethical behavior. It made me realize for the first time, I was like, well, I could be a CMO. If he could be a CMO for the first time, I was like, well, if he can do that with no ethics, I could do it with ethics. And I'd never thought before that moment that I could be a CMO. So there's a positive to the story. You just have to know the consequences. It doesn't mean not to say something, but understand what comes with saying something.
0: That's really both an amazing story and also very heartbreaking. And we all grapple with this, us on this podcast, the listeners who are women and other genders affected and who have friends who are women who deal with harassment like this in the workplace. Mm -hmm. And of course, we understand some people don't have the privilege of speaking up because there are those consequences. But it's so amazing to hear a story of how you were able to speak up and grow, not because that happened to you, but despite that happening to you.
2: Yes, but it took a couple years to get to that place of looking back and going, okay, that actually turned into a good thing. (laughs) You have to go through it and feel the pain, and then you can look back and go, Uh, a good thing came from that. But going through it was hard. And that's where I became the second sentence of that, understand the consequences of going through it. It doesn't mean don't do it, but just eyes wide open.
0: Absolutely. We're now going to switch to a happy topic. Um, (laughs) We're going to play our ending game. Okay. So Maria, do you want to do us ask questions or Sherry, tell us, do you want to do it game style? Yeah, let's guess. I always love
1: this part.
0: Okay. So Sherry, at the end of every podcast episode, Mm -hmm. we guess what you would be doing if you were not a (laughs) CMO. So if we had to take marketing off of the table, also let's do say sports broadcasting and sports, because that's not here. Take that off off the
2: table.
0: (laughs) So if you were not the chief marketing officer at Exabeam or in marketing at a company, who wants to go first?
1: I'll go. Okay. Sherry, I think you'd be heading up a really big nonprofit, kind of like a multinational organization, whether it's in the medical field or, I don't know, public policy. But I think I see you at the leadership of a big nonprofit. I hope I'm not off.
0: (laughs) Okay. And I see Sherry being a badass race car driver. This doesn't count as sports, I think, right? Those
2: are pretty good guesses. Is this my dream job? Like, what would I really want to do if I could do anything? Yeah. Okay. Were we off? (laughs) Yeah. You know, if I could do anything. (laughs) (laughs) We were both way off. uh, No, no, no. I would want to be the lead guitarist in an all-female rock band.
1: Oh, that is pretty badass. I love
2: that. (laughs) That's what I'd want to be.
1: Oh my gosh. Awesome.
2: So I love music or I'd want to be a writer for Rolling Stone and be on tour with a band, writing about the band, something involved in music. That would be what I'd want to do. I can't play an instrument. I can't sing. So
1: <laughs> that'd be That's
2: fun that, though. That is awesome. What would you sing about in your band? Oh, I don't know. That's a good question, but it would definitely be rock. Nice. Hardcore. <laughs> <laughs> It'd be hardcore. <laughs>
0: All right, Sherry, this has been so fun. Where can people find you if you want people to reach out and connect with you?
2: And also, are you hiring at ExoBeam? Oh, yes, we are hiring, always hiring, always looking for great marketing talent and also product talent, engineering, sales, hiring across the board. But yeah, folks can find me on LinkedIn and on Twitter. Yeah, please reach out. Awesome. Well,
0: thanks for joining us on another episode of Breaking Through in Cybersecurity Marketing listeners do you want to be on the show we want to have you on the show depending if you're interested send us an email at podcasts with an s at hackervalley.com remember to like and subscribe give us a five-star rating and tell us how much you love us and don't send us any hate mail